hey everybody welcome back to this week's episode of dylan and healing i'm coco i'm not coco i'm nene <laughs> i love you so much i have because of you <laughs> she, she it. She took it all. man she just said coco and i was like is she <laughs> <laughs> right and you're just as crazy like um sorry, I, made it. I i am that is pretty representative of the week and the day so yes. i'm nene and i'm coco and we are very excited to record this episode we have a special guest today that we will get into um but before we do coco for those who don't remember lives in texas and if you hey. anywhere in the world this week, you know, uh, it was a rough week, huh, Coley? It was, it was pretty rough. Uh, not as rough as many people experienced because I was blessed enough to find alternative shelter at my grandmother's house, which we figured because she lives up the street from a fire station, her grid is pretty much going to be untouchable during times of emergency because the fire station has to be up online. So um, a lot of my coworkers had no gas, had no water, had no power, um, no Wi-Fi. Um, in my area, the, the cell phone towers were out. So, you know, our electricity went out in the middle of the night and I just curled up in my bed and just continued to ride the wave. And so I figured out my phone's not working. Everybody's trying to get a hold of us. So um, little things we take for granted, like we don't have, we're in a boil um a boil um, order right now where we have to boil all of our water that we either consume or use for washing for certain things. So it's been interesting. Yeah. You, you take for granted the little things. So yeah, it, it's been a week, but blessed, blessed to get through it and um, unscathed. Unlike a lot of Texans who just, they got hit hard and they didn't have anybody to turn to. So. Well, we're definitely glad that you and your family are safe. And you guys have power back and we'll continue to pray for those who don't. Um, yes. I know that also kind of put you guys behind in the week for things you had to do. I know schools were closed and it was just a lot going on. So with that, we are missing a special guest tonight. Let's get into our topic. So you guys know we started this family series a couple of weeks ago and we were all over the place, but all good tidbits last week when we talked about um, our families and the dynamics and our birth order. So tonight we are having um, my mom on. And would you like to introduce yourself? Well, hello, everyone. <laughs> my name is Ayula, and I am also known as Sudana. <laughs> yes, that's what I call her. Show the bangles, mom. Show the bangles. How's up? The bangles. Yes. Oh, bangalicious. <laughs> If yes. you have ever been blessed to read any of Sister Soldier's books, you will be into our inside joke um, regarding Sudana and the Bengals. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Coco's mom, Mama Kazi, is not going to join us tonight, but we will have her on our next episode. She is studying and big ups to Mama Kazi, who's working on her master's. Can I just say that you can never not go back and change your path. Um, she got a little behind this week, so she's working on some assignments. And we will have her join us on the uh, next go-around. So let's get into it, shall we? Let's do it. Let's, let's get it. into it. Um, so, Mom, yeah. I am which... Tell us about the dynamics of your kids so they know which one I am. They probably heard it already. We're going to tell them again. Oh, okay. So Janae is my oldest, my firstborn, the leader of the five womb crew. <laughs> this is true. Firstborn, also known as the guinea pig child. <laughs> the, the first try this, that, and the other on. So, um, so Coco, I think it'll be good. Do you have the questions? It'd be good if you ask yeah. the question. Yeah, I, and actually just, I was pulling them up. If my eyes were like darting all over the place and I was looking a little spastic, it's normal, but it was more so because <laughs> I was looking for the questions. Oh yeah, I just chalked it up as, oh, maybe she doesn't have her glasses on. I yeah. don't know. Mm -hmm. 
oh, let me put my fake ones on just so I can look a little bit more intelligent. <laughs> as Miss Ayula knows, it's all a farce. It's a farce. <laughs> Sometimes I say big words just to make it look like I got some sense. And then other times I say no words at all. I'm just sitting. <laughs> my eyes are darting everywhere. Just <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I, <laughs> I get it from my mama. So first, Miss Ayula. Miss Ayula. Miss Ayula. Oh, wow. <laughs> Miss Ayula. <laughs> funny, it's funny meeting you here because we just we um before we get into the questions, I have one question for you. Janae and I were discussing like on our first intro, and I think you got a chance to look at it. We're discussing how the the uh groundation of Janae because Coco got pregnant. <laughs> Perpetuate. <laughs> How did? Why what, you have old stuff? <laughs> because we learned from our past. We learned from our past, if you will. It was. So I'm basically what I'm saying is, it is an honor to have you here, Miss Ayula. Because <laughs> when we went back and like discussed our like history, Janae and I's history and our dynamics and stuff, that that's always that little nugget of tidbit that may have been one of the initiating factors. Like, how did our friendship survive when you were grounded for, I think I told everybody about when I was six months, so like two months. Basically, you were grounded for two months while I was finishing baking Jonathan early. <laughs> so for everyone, if this is your if this is your first time hearing our podcast, um, when we started our friendship series, we talked about how Coco and I's friendship came into inception. And essentially, when Coco got pregnant, we were juniors in, high school mm-hmm. um she got pregnant i got grounded and so it's this running this running joke and this running theme of like how that happened and so that's what i was referring to um she said what's that saying uh birds of a feather birds of a feather <laughs> my mom said birds of a feather don't go nowhere yeah. <laughs> and mine were clipped so we we none of us was going anywhere <laughs> Uh, home on a nest. Okay. So, Miss Ayula, if you could just briefly introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself, like know who you are. My name, like I said, my name is Ayula and I am Janae's mom. I currently uh, do work in jails and prisons here in California and have had the opportunity at this point to go all over the country speaking about the importance of healing, which is one of the reasons why I'm so excited about what you all are doing, because healing isn't anything that is talked about enough, particularly in the Black community. And so that's what I do. I oversee and develop programs in jails and in prisons, and I focus on healing and the importance of healing in order to be your best self, because we are we are born as black people in this country. We have historical trauma that we are born into. And then some of us gestate in trauma. And then we have trauma that impacts us throughout our lives. And oftentimes we, as a people, have unprocessed harm and unprocessed pain and a lot of things that we don't talk about. And so it's important that we talk and we heal. That's going back to your original question about Janae being grounded. I think about that, you know, every time you all bring it up, I think about it. And really parenting at that point in my life from a place of fear. And really as a teen mom, understanding the hardship, the struggle, and not wanting that for her. And obviously it wasn't the right decision to make. Um, but it's what I did. And of course, now we all, we totally recognize that and understand that. I think it, uh, uh, it's still just fun to be like, yeah, it's, a gym. it's, yeah. Yeah. it's one of our, it's one of everybody's cross life lessons, right? Yeah. You know, one of those things that revelation that everyone had after the fact, yeah. um, mom, when you're talking about your work too, tell about some previous work you've done in terms of social justice. Cause I think that is something you've passed down and is an intricate part of all of your kids, actually. 
you know, as today, as I was um, thinking about this conversation that we were going to have this afternoon and just thinking about your life, Janae, and how you went to your first protest at, I think you were about four or five years old. And so my whole life, my whole life, I have been fight the power. I have been speaking about speaking out about injustices long before we have what is known as this movement for criminal justice reform. I've been working in this field uh, whew, 40, 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a freshman in college when I had my first internship at a criminal justice program in San Francisco. And though I have done a few other things, it really has all been under the umbrella of uh, social justice. I taught eight years, I taught high school in eight years and even that was, I I taught special ed students but I also taught in uh, alternative settings, alternative high schools in the community as well as incarcerated settings. Um, I remember that protest when Spartan City wanted to tear down our apartments and make San Jose State Parking. Oh, yes, that's when the fire was lit. (laughs) I distinctly remember that because didn't they do an article in like the San Jose? I bet we could find the archives in the San Jose State Paper, I think. And if I'm not mistaken, your picture was. I'm front and center. I am. We should find that. I'm front and center. Yeah, with my I've little. Seen, I've seen that picture somewhere. I don't know if you, you were, we were thumbing through photos or something. Hey, you showed me that picture, and I think you have like two little pigtails. <laughs> always the pigtails. Like, always the yeah. pigtails. I do, and you know what? It was in my baby book that I don't have. I, it was in a collection of things, um, but I'm sure we could micro. Microfilm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> microfilm. That's that's how old we go. Okay, really quickly because I feel like. Um, I get it from my mama and Miss Ayula is like one of those second moms that I got when me and Janae became friends after she got grounded and we were able to hang out again. <laughs> Jim, are uh, <laughs> are there's a lot of parallels between your life and my life. You know, I also I was a single I mean, a teen mother, you were a teen mother, and not I didn't I didn't know that when me and Janae became friends, like when we met at mom and me and we went to God's women's conference, I don't think I found that out till a little bit later, but how God works, I was going to say ironic, but I feel like it was, it was predestined that I would become, befriend someone who was a product of a teen teen pregnancy. And then I became a teen pregnant. So we could probably say that it's Janae's fault that I got. (laughs) (laughs) We're exposing me to the (laughs) I had someone in my life who understood what I was going through, you know, once we got over the hump and, and then further on down the line, how you, our paths may have like diverged, but we've come back together. And the fact that you're working on um, social justice and criminal justice, and my son right now is in that system and how you have poured into me the knowledge that you've obtained 40 years in the making but also have been an asset to people that I've met through my journey of, you know, social justice for my, my own child. So it's just so like, we're so intertwined path. The, the journey is, is so parallel, you know, there's differences of course, but it's just been like, I got goosebumps just thinking about that. I didn't know that you were in like, in, in, like, like, <laughs> in, in as much as you were, I do remember you being like, you know, social justice. And then, you know, all of your five kids just like, boop, 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 fight the power to like, you know, brush your doll, dolls up out of it. Like it's, that's my best friend's sister. And there's still little things that I'm still learning about you guys, but have also impacted my life. It's just, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's God breathed for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And as, a, as you went to college and, you know, it took you a minute to finish college because you did have a baby. And that was my story as well. What I was determined to finish, except, you know, when you have kids, sometimes you go to college and then you start working and then you go back and then you start working and you work and then going to college. And, you know, just really, really that determination and perseverance is what enables us to go on and finished college finally, and even pursue a teaching credential. And you're a teacher and I taught for a while. So yes, mm-hmm. you're right. There's quite a few parallels and overlap. Yeah, That's definitely awesome. God ordained. 
Um, so speaking of births and conceptions, mom, tell us a little bit about the reaction because it was back in the day. It might've still been. We're going to send you up to um, Napa. <laughs> you, know, back, you know, you send them out to the country and in, in, in the, in the South and stuff. Right. Somebody here, you went to a, a boarding school or something. Like that. <laughs> right. Right. Tell us a little bit about, you know, announcing or finding out that you were pregnant with me? You know, it's interesting, again, as I've done my own healing work and my own journey, really understanding what was going on with me that at 15, I decided that I wanted to have a baby. So it's not like, oh, I had unprotected sex and I got pregnant. It's not like, <gasps> no, it's what I wanted to do. And I really think back to a place of, you know, really harm, unprocessed pain, feeling like I did. I always felt like I didn't quite fit in with the family and remembering, you know, in, in, in looking back in retrospect, wanting some, wanting unconditional love. Now, of course, now I know I could have got a puppy or a kitten. <laughs> or a fish. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> so, so there was that part of it. So I, I get pregnant and, you know, as moms know, uh, Graham knew and she announced it to me before I could announce it to her. Mm. Oh, they do that? Don't they do that? They do. they do do that. And for us, you know, Similar to you, Coco, our family were uh, pillars of the church, a big deal. And you know how people, the, the phrase, um, I wasn't raised like that. I literally was the only person to have a baby as a teenager hmm. in the whole family, like generations back, definitely out of all of my cousins. So in, and, you know, Fortunately, unfortunately, whatever it is, the truth is we come from a family that was really about appearances. And so here you have this 15-year-old teenager pregnant um, and the, the disappointment, you know, really I felt, and I'm open, you know, to being wrong, was really more about bringing shame to the family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember uh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't let me have a baby shower in the traditional sense. They gave me a baby shower with a few little, few little church folks. <laughs> Mama uh, Jickets was there and Auntie T were there. The pillars, right? But no, not a baby shower with my friends and all like that. Nope. And then when I had Janae, everybody was so excited. And I was like, I thought y'all was mad. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's funny that you said that because go ahead, Nene. I was just gonna say now, despite wanting a baby, I have heard stories that when my pale self came out <laughs> with orange hair and damn near white, you was like, uh, this ain't my baby. <laughs> so I was at you. Has it been ordained? I promise you that had I not seen you immediately after giving birth, I would have sworn that they had given me the wrong child because you were white with orange hair and you, your dad is a darker hue. He's, he's a 78% cacao, if you will. Okay. He is a dark chocolate. Dark Miss chocolate. is more of a cookies and cream. And today just came out looking like Mr. Hunk. Right. Oh. But, you know, I learned a lot about recessive genes. We do. Have, I have a first cousin who, um, uh, same complexion as Janae, freckles and with red hair. And so it wasn't like it was foreign that this, you know, that she looked like this. It just was, I wasn't ready for it. What were you going to ask, Coco? So I was, I was, um, Thinking back to like, same way, like Miss Taylor was saying, you guys were, your families were pillars in the church. We grew up in it. I grew up in the church. Um, and we did have one other teen pregnant, you know, person who had their child as a teenager. And it was like, just super, it was kind of like that. He, we took it as like our 
duty, our mission, like take this young, just thuggish, ruggish teenager from the streets of Oakland. And we we took her in and we, we shaped her with the love of Christ. It was kind of like our charity thing. It felt like, but then when one of their own at our church got pregnant, one that not, not even one that they would expect it. I wasn't one of those, like I was all with the boys and I was TP. I'm, I'm Coco. I'm the one who kicked it with everybody. We all grew up together. So for me, of all the people who should have got pregnant, it was one of those. And I remember my mom did not talk to me for two weeks. Um, later on, I found that Miss Ayula wasn't the only woman who had a child as a teenager. There was more in our church, in our community. But I felt so alone. And, and my mom felt alone. Like, where is where where are people at? And so I think the best way I can kind of tie it together is until you have somebody in that situation, it's so foreign to you. Like, you know, if you know someone who's famous, everybody that is a person now, they're not just celebrities, if that makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Is human, No matter what, you could be a pillar in a church and you still can fall short of the glory of God. And no one talked about that for a really long time. Well, we don't talk about a lot of stuff in the church, but I would imagine that's a different show. That's another unit, if you will. Stay tuned. (laughs) It wasn't about, you know, people say so many different things when a teenager is pregnant and Mm -hmm. the disappointment and this and that. But for me, it wasn't that. I just knew what was in front of you. Mm -hmm. And when I speak to young, you know, teenagers, I just say it's just a struggle that you don't have to have. Like there yeah. are going to be some struggles in life that you can't avoid. Right. This is one that is avoidable. Avoidable. You have your whole life to have babies. And, right. you know, I know we're going to get, I think we're going to get into, you know, lessons I've learned and how I parent different now. But that was, that was my whole thing. My heart breaking, not because of, you know, you breaking some you not doing what the Bible says or some shame or anything like that. I just Mm -hmm. knew that it was going to be a struggle for you. Mm -hmm. And I also knew that the likelihood of you and your son's father staying together was like zero to none because at 15, 16, 17 years old, you don't even know who you are. So how do you know who you want to be with? Right. Right. Now, yeah. And all those, a lot of those lessons did come I feel like a little bit sooner rather than later for me, as opposed to like generations before me who've gone through that, they were the first, if you will, their first child, like the mistakes were made there. And then you, as a second generation, you learn from those mistakes. So I feel like after like the death had settled, there were little things that I was able to glean from the different women in our church and our community um, that I was able to learn the lesson a little bit sooner. I saw mm-hmm. Valley cause that's just who I am. I'm a hard headed person. I learned by mistakes um, and I'm okay with that, but I think that it was a journey that I was able to process a little bit earlier and understand I was able to be sympathetic and empathetic because my my best friend's sister, her her mom went through it, and I'm able to glean from what you went through. Do you know what, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Directly. And I don't look at life, you know, I don't live my life with regrets. I don't mm-hmm. look at because I made a decision, you know, mm-hmm. which again, based on my thinking, that wasn't clear. Mm-hmm. At the same time, having Janae when I was 16 really changed me because I had to focus and I had this baby that I was responsible for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know you're gonna, you guys are going to find this a little hard to believe, but I was a little bit wild. And so, I, wait, what? <laughs> and that all, that all changed. Um, you know, I was all about going to school and I ended up graduating ahead of my class. I worked so hard during my junior year. Um, at one point, I had to have a meeting with the counselor and my parents and basically they politely kicked me out of school and I had to go to a maternity school with other teen moms. And, you know, but I had an opportunity to continue my education, continue my credits. I was doing independent study 
um, and I went to school literally. I went to school until the day before I had her and I came home. I'll never forget. I wasn't feeling good. And I came home sick that day. And then I had her the next day and probably maybe a week after I had her, I went up to the school to turn in work and get more work. So when I went back to school in September for my senior year, I literally needed 10 credits to graduate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this was in 79 that mom had me where they still had maternity and where they had maternity schools for, for women having teen we, pregnancies. We had them too um, in San Jose. There was, it was called Foothill. It was a con- like a continuation school and they tried to um, get me to not come back to school and, um, and wanted me to go there. And I told him, I, I told my mom and she fought for me. I wanted to finish at YB with my friends. It was my junior year that I had Jonathan. And so we fought and it took a, a almost a half a semester for me to get back into my um, school at the time. So I, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be separated from my friends, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I so people, but I wanted, I, that wasn't the case. I wanted to graduate with my friends, with my class. Right. And that wasn't the, you know, that was never the issue for, with my situation going back mm-hmm. to school because I, I had her in the summer. So mm-hmm. by the fall, I was ready to go back to school. When I was asked to go to transfer to maternity school, they posed it as a safety issue, which like it really, it did make sense in terms mm-hmm. of how the school was structured and stairs and it's crowded and all that. Um, but I was just grateful that I was able to continue earning my high school diploma and come back and graduate. People say, did you graduate? I said, oh yeah, I graduated early as a matter, a semester early. And, you know, I, I, education has always been important. And so not finishing was never an option. Right. Going to college was never an option. Mm-hmm. I started college when I was what, three, two <laughs> at San Francisco city. And let me tell you, they used to have the best French fries. So really it's mom's fault that I always love French fries because <laughs> we used to go to San Francisco city where she had class and she would give me some French fries. I'd be my little umbrella stroller. It's crazy. What meant with things you remember. That's awesome. Those, education that has always been in my brain. Yeah. yeah. And so there was a, a daycare on campus, a preschool and, you know, of course, she was on the wait list. And I don't know if her her spot came up or if the lady was just sick of me coming in there every week. <laughs> Where was she on the wait list? And so she was able to go to preschool and we she's right. We would um, take the bus and then go to the cafeteria and uh, eat. Well, do you remember eating pancakes, too, in the mornings? We would eat breakfast and oh. then after we would get the infamous French fries. And try. I was the only one of um, all of us who had a kid. And so she was everybody's baby. Mm -hmm. Like Johnny. Yeah. Um, Okay. So at the onset of the journey, it was difficult. What has been the most difficult thing about parenting? Her. Not knowing anything. Specifically. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you weren't a difficult kid at all. In fact, <laughs> you were the kid who started sleeping all night, maybe about six weeks old, like really, really early to the point where Graham and I would be going in the room, <laughs> checking on you. She's <laughs> breathing. She's breathing. Um, you okay. oh, early. Go. You talked early. Um, you were a very easy kid to pay and you were a good kid um and so i still I like to sleep fyi until, still like sleeping until, so until she met that coco girl <laughs> <laughs> i would say the most difficult part wasn't in parenting you it was in not having anything it was the struggle like i i, I think uh we had a conversation a few weeks ago janae where i said with you and then it was all about surviving. I was mm-hmm. I was young. I had you when I was 16. I had Ben when I was 22. Mm-hmm. I am in college with two kids and no partner. And though I had family support, they were in San Francisco. I was in San Jose. Mm-hmm. And so I remember when we moved into our first apartment and <laughs> I remember you asking, do we have to have hot dogs again? <laughs> 
And yeah. the irony is, what did I have last night? Chili dogs for dinner. Listen, some yeah. things you just embrace. You just you embrace it. Together. It's part of you. It's your yeah. DNA. That was, that was it for, for me. wasn't difficulty in parenting you because you were such a good kid. It was just the struggle, the struggle mm-hmm. of being in college. So, you know, you, Janae, you know what it's like to be a college student struggling. So imagine college students struggling with two babies. Right. Right. And when you're that young, you don't realize it's a struggle. Like, you know, or if you had to be in school, like, you know, Graham used to have me or Papa or uncle. And it just, it just made it seem like you had a bunch of people who loved you. And with Papa, you know, I could go right in, in his, uh, <laughs> what kind of car right. did he have his go El Dorado. El Dorado. Okay. I knew I was getting some peppermint mm-hmm. candies whenever I was going to see him. Okay. From him or get the sun out of the little dish at him and grandmommy's house. Um, you know, uncle and I playing Rick James and Mike Jackson. So it's, it's the love is so overwhelming that you don't know coming up in it, that there's a struggle when you get to college or you get older and you are an adult and you figure out, Oh, we got to pay these bills every month. What if you ain't got no money? <laughs> right. Those so again? Can, right. You can appreciate it. Never goes on sale. Right. right. Never is on sale. So I, I do appreciate being surrounded by love because I know, you know, in experiencing my other side of the family, the way that they struggled was different than how we struggled, right? When when I got to go visit my aunties in Betrayal Hill, I could leave and go home when the visit was over. Um Mm-hmm. So, you know, you never, you never really understand it while you're little. Right? I also think it it it, t- it talks to the black girl magic, the black woman magic that a single mom, a formal teen, former former teenage mom, um, turned student, college student, and you know, single mom that Janae didn't feel that struggle. You, you worked in a way that did, she didn't feel that struggle. It was a blessing. It was love. It was, I get to get peppermint candy. And <laughs> maybe we did have hot dogs three days in a row <laughs> to eat three days in a row. And it, you know what I'm saying? Like those little things that you don't see until you get older, we get older and we say, that's why we had that same spaghetti ev- all day. I mean, every week. Because right. we're making it count and we ate, we did not go, we did not go without. And so like, not everybody has that in them to keep, you know, pushing forward to make sure that you got your degree to make sure that your kids were well taken care of. They wasn't looking like baby's kids on the street, but no, they had, I feel you, Janae, hot dogs again. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say probably the only time that it felt and even not as a struggle, but understanding the dynamics after the fact is when you had to work all the time. And then I had to watch my brother. Right. So then mm-hmm. I think that was probably the only time where it was like, well, dang, you going to work. This your kid. Right. right? Or, or, you know, um, our stepdad going, everybody working. So, um, yeah. That, and I would say that that was, um, yeah, just having to, having to watch your brother, um, because I was working. Mm-hmm. And there may have been a couple of times where you watched. You were, well, you were partying. <laughs> but me and Lunchy may have stepped out. Yes. But yes. Or Rachel. I also know that it was all, you know, like you never had to worry about waking up in the morning and I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, yeah. Except I'm, for your little trip to New York. A little cross-country trip to New York. Oh, well, there yeah. was that. There was that. Well, yeah, that was the only <laughs> Is we what the what in the world? You were older then. Um, yeah. yeah, we worked in we worked in tandem at that time. Anyway, it was you know it was cover cover at that time. We had found the power of siblinghood <laughs> during <laughs> during that time. Um, well, that's good to know. That's I was an easy kid. Another another thing to think about too, like a, a way that I I saw the question was sometimes it's not uh, a challenge raising your child, raising that child, like specifically Janae, sometimes it's just a challenge of parenting period. And like you said, it was the struggle that you were trying to, you know, make sure that they had what they needed. My struggle was being a child, but also being a parent. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't so, I mean, there was challenges I had with Jonathan, but my original challenge was 
being able to be the mom while I was still living in their control of my mom. Well, that's a whole different experience. <laughs> Tune in that next week. I didn't really, I, so I went to junior college. I took a year off and I worked and then I went to junior college. So I was 20 when we moved and mm-hmm. I was four. And that's really still the easy, fun, not a whole lot of things to disagree with your mom on in terms of parenting styles, because she was just a kid, you know, she was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And so I, I definitely um, feel you on that. And there were I knew early on that there were some ways that I was raised that I didn't want to repeat mm-hmm. um, with my own children. Um, yeah. Yeah. Plus, I would say that Grammy's parenting style w- was more permissive anyway, in terms of, you know, she was more of like, well, you know, as long as it looks it was good. Or... feeling that I was going to get killed for doing anything. Right. Mm. Right. Not that fear. So. Which might be a little bit different than how I parented. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a little, you know, a little different. A little, little, I don't know. You probably were never grounded. Were you grounded when you got pregnant? Probably not. <laughs> I wasn't. No. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've already been grounded for so many things. (laughs) So So, since we're talking about parenting style, your parents and I versus Grammy parents' style. And then as I'm growing up or as I came into young womanhood or now old womanhood, (laughs) (laughs) what, what was a time that made you just really say, oh yeah, that's my kid. Like that's my DNA. Um, <laughs> Those laughs are always good stories. <laughs> one thing, so two things come to mind. One is that I believe that you knew that I would burn down Independence High behind you. <laughs> and so, you know, I just always felt like you know, something would happen at school and you would be like, okay. Mr. Farnham. I'm going to call my mom. I don't know. Do you remember being uh, a freshman and them telling you that you couldn't take Spanish because it was closed? Yes. And I came up to the school and had a little conversation with them and was like, uh, basically, I don't care. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care if you open another section and she's the only one in it. Yeah. Spanish this year. And then the next thing I know, you know, you're taking Spanish. And then there were times where um, they kind of just knew we're going to we're going to work it out. Basically. When I wanted, to take, I wanted to take AP English. And for some reason, the window, I hadn't got a notification or something. And, I, and my teacher was like, you can't take AP. And that was probably one of the times I was like, oh, that's what you think. <laughs> So there's that. But then as I, you know, (laughs) you just, there's, there's like a a gazillion things. Um, Your, the importance of education, your work ethic, um, Mm -hmm. your way of getting people together. Though it's vastly different than my way of getting people together. (laughs) Nonetheless, you, you know, you definitely saw me get people together over the years and now you are an expert at it. but I think your advocacy for your for the kiddos, you know, that is there's so many characteristics. Like I, I really feel that you you got the best of me. Mm-hmm. None of my shenanigans. None <laughs> of my shenanigans. But well, yeah. some. Well, some. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> um. It's funny that you said that too, because like I was sitting here before we started and I was looking at Miss Ayula's face and I was like, oh my gosh, it's Graham. Like, mm-hmm. And then I, there's days where I look at Nate, I'm like, oh my gosh, if you are not the government, Miss Kelly right there. <laughs> well, slide that in there. They're a little smooth. Slide it. It's so crazy. And then all of your kids, like your genes are so strong 
that it's not just like the characteristics of advocacy and, you know, social justice and things like that. The features are for real, y'all. She couldn't deny not near one of these kids, not near one. <laughs> not, yeah. if it's not in the features and it comes out full force in the attitude, like in the baby. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> she is me incarnate. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's mom at 17 for sure. Oh my goodness. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It is awesome. I um I think we've said that before is that I'm I imagine that I've gotten all of the good parts, which is a blessing because I don't think I either got any of the bad paternal parts either. Um, which is always interesting with the guinea pig child, because that's the child who's raised with nobody knowing nothing. Yeah, there's that. And there's always, there's always the part I I tell people all the time that your whole life, you saw your whole, you know, early years, formative years, you always saw me working, going Mm -hmm. to school or both. Mm -hmm. And so the work ethic, the importance of education, you know, as you got older and we, I, I accepted Christ and then we, um, you know, we became very much into the Bible and Jesus and mm-hmm. studying and um, and the blessing of having your own experience at church via the youth group and all that. Right. Um, you know, definitely got the good parts. Yeah. Cool. Um, too, but I'm, we tune in on season five. <laughs> <laughs> what season five? That's what that's a later later. That's a oh, because you know we're definitely doing um cultivating cult culture in the black church. Oh, oh I can't wait. Sign me up. Yeah. Sign me that's, up. Um I think I that's in guest. I have a list of guests for you that I'd like right. to oh. yes. And some of them will overlap. We we have some overlappers and I'm sure in our guest list. Mm-hmm. Um so, so oh go ahead, Coco. So because I've I've I remember Vinny being like little, little, like Trey, no, like little, like six, was it six, could have been six, six, seven, maybe eight. So, and then a whole new wave <laughs> of the Five Boom crew came. And so going from birds of a feather flock together, don't rub off on my kid, you're grounded, to your last child, how do you say that your parenting styles have differed or changed or have they stayed the same or? Um, I actually learned with Vinny that it's not parenting is not a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not to be critical of other parents. I do think that that often happens where instead of adjusting your parenting style for your child, they want you, I mean, parents want the child to get with your program. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the case. I remember Janae had done something and she didn't tell the truth about it. And I knew it and we were on the phone. And I thought to myself, she's not that kid who's just going to be a liar. And so by the time I got home, I don't even know if you remember this. Hmm. By the time I got home, you were, I lied to you. <laughs> Listen, and I stay a truth teller today because all that lying takes too much energy and too much stress. Okay. Um, oh my gosh. That's the best. You know, Vinny, on the other hand, he goes stick to the story. <laughs> you got video you got dna <laughs> i witnessed the mama I and he appeared, he said, look at here i'm sticking to the scripts i did not do it I'm right. That's not me. so i think that so so i learned a lot on the trial the trial and so when i had and then when i had the other kids i had also been through a lot mm-hmm. so i had gone through um, substance abuse with Jay and um, other things like experience <laughs> experiences at the church. <laughs> and I also was older and mm. more um, 
stable in terms mm-hmm. of financially stable, you know, and as you get older, you should chill. Mm-hmm. So having her at 16, having Vinny at 22, I was 35. Excuse me, when I had CC, and I had three between 35 and 40. I don't mm-hmm. recommend that audience people. Don't do that. <laughs> um, so that, so I was, I was more mature. I was more stable in a lot of ways, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And then we went through some things and Mm -hmm. trauma and tragedy are going to change you. Mm -hmm. When you experience trauma and tragedy, you're, you're just forever changed by it. And Mm -hmm. so, and then we, as you, you know, as y'all know, it was four separate incidents in a little over four years. Mm -hmm. And, and then that doesn't even count. I mean, that doesn't even include the other losses. Um, Mm -hmm. Mommy's friend Diane, mm-hmm. um, my cousin Deborah. There was just loss after loss after loss, and so I learned that, like in an instant, your whole life can be different. Mm-hmm. And so things that I used to be crazy about didn't really matter. Inconsequential. I'm sorry. Insignificant. That, right. You know, they become you know, the whole thing of keeping your room clean. I'm gonna just close the door. I don't mm-hmm. have to look at it. Now my room is the one, but that's <laughs> um, but you know just those kind of things, um, and just making sure that, and I think I I did this with them as well, but just showing up for stuff, mm-hmm. and so I'm just more I'm so chill now, and I have been for a while, um, and I never was a yeller and screamer and all that to begin with, but now I just like. Mm. You know, some consequences to that. I'm <laughs> the low, which is so yeah. interesting because I don't. If I think I don't think you were not ever chill, I, you know, maybe a little more intense, but due to external factors like maybe money or stuff like that. But you know, never, never a yeller, like never a cousin. When I used to go to my auntie's house. <laughs> So my paternal family is, I love them. They're just different, right? They yell, they cuss, they cuss each other out, then they're hugging. And when I first used to go over there, I used to be like, uh. <laughs> I, need to call, I need to call my mom. <laughs> I need to go home. <laughs> but saying that when you're talking about parenting style, right? Everybody's parenting style is different, which is why when we come across that, and we're talking to other parents or you're observing other parents and you say, you know, parents be a lot of things, but we never got cussed out. We never got beat beyond recognition, you know, even for my challenging brother who had his own mind made up from four years old when he was going to stab the pool man, allegedly. Um, you just don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think there was ever any time that there wasn't a chillness. I think there were stress stressors and stress mm-hmm. right. um, that made some things less tolerable, but not um, anything too significant. And I think, you know, the showing up part again, previously, I think that used to bother me. It used to be a, a point of contention, but then again, understanding like you worked, you worked so we could have roofs over our heads and you could you know, we could have food, even if it was hot dogs on the table, um, understanding that dynamic after, you know, after the fact is, is a big deal. Um, the fact that you bring that up, Janae, I remember, you know, I played sports in middle school and in high school and <clears throat> my mom didn't come. She came to as many as she could, but she wasn't there like all the other moms, you know, with their signs and their shirts and stuff. <laughs> me a lot about the sports and being there and showing up is different than showing up Mm -hmm. and so when my mom did get to looking back on it knowing that my mom was either sleeping because she had to work grave shift and because she was trying to five feed five mouths seven mouths total with just her her income and the fact that she was able to come or when she would have to get those phone calls from me because I was cutting up at school and she was like you said, I'm pissed. You got me here and I'm missing money because you want to be cutting up. 
those little things didn't chime in. Like you just don't understand me was what I was always thinking. You don't understand how hard it is to be me. And then I got whooped because you don't understand. We both, we don't understand each other basically. Mm-hmm. Like I'm kind of talking in circles, but like my mom showing up to like a couple of my volleyball games, that was a big deal, but it was also disappointing that she couldn't come to the everyone. Do you know what I mean? And now knowing that cause she had to work because she was doing Bible study or whatever, it wasn't because she didn't want to be there. It's because she couldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand it until, you know, I got older and, and figured that out. But um, mm-hmm. that's huge. It's huge. It's big. And so um, we those little things we take for granted as a child. And then, you know, even when you become a parent or even before that, they're major. They're major. And it plays into some of that underlining trauma of I'm not good enough. My mom doesn't want to be here. Because we didn't, they, we didn't, that generation specifically, our parents' generation didn't talk about it. We have too much stuff to do to be talking right. about. Let's right. get this stuff done. Whereas I feel like our generation, we do, we go hardcore, but I also want you to understand why I do what I do because right. of a shift in that parenting style. Like I'm a Jonathan Absolutely. all the time. I did not want him to be a statistic. That was my main thing. Yes, I, after a lot of consideration and, and even, my last final plan was to not go through with the pregnancy and my mom found out I was pregnant. We, you know, we just went ahead and decided to go with, go along, continue the pregnancy, not Jonathan being born, but my pregnancy and then having Jonathan. And I remember you were saying that after Janae was born, everybody was just super excited. It's not about the baby at, when you're pregnant. It's about the person when they come out. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think yeah. they connect that. And so when John, when my mom accepted the fact that I was pregnant, she was there. She was there 110%, which sometimes uh, shadowed me as a mother. Mm-hmm. So it was, I felt like she was trying to overcompensate for what she lacked when we, when I was coming up. Mm-hmm. But for my second, her second born for Jasmine, I mean, uh, my sister, Naisha, she was there for everything. And I was like, well, where was you back in mine? Not realizing that the times change, situations change, stability change, finances change. And it allows you to be more lax or allows you to be more present or whatever the case may be. And, and maturity. So when I, yeah. I, I remember I worked at juvenile hall for a great deal of your childhood <laughs> and there it's shift work and you don't get to pick, you don't get to say, well, I need to work days because mm-hmm. I got kids at home. Right. And, you know, and then also not understanding because I was new and, you know, then you on probation. It's just all these different dynamics that um, you just working, you just working, trying to keep your job. It was a good job, you know, all of that. And then, you know, as, as I had the other kids and was able to get really get into my career and have some stability and also learn that I actually can set some boundaries with work. Like Mm -hmm. nobody's going to fire me because I took off to make it to my son's game. Right. Um, And so that was different. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because I was more mature and I understood the culture of the workplace and what I needed to do and everything like that. And, and so I I rarely, if ever met, I mean, I probably missed a couple of Noah's games, but just being there, um, but the, and the things that I thought were important mm-hmm. may not have been as important to the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always at parent teacher conferences, but I never went on any field trips. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That's deep. Um, and you had said something too about between maturity, um, being more financially stable, being wiser. The other thing that in hindsight, you realize is, and this probably for me was maybe like six years ago or so, fairly recent, is that as you were growing as a mother and as a woman, like the things that you went through as a woman, you don't recognize that growing up until you're a woman. <laughs> right, 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 right. And so now, once you get to be a woman and you go through some things, you're kind of like, oh, that 
her as a person. You're, so I can honestly say that I saw your identity as a mother owned only probably until I was 30, right? Until I, you just don't. But once you're able to shift that and also once you're, you know, things have happened to the family and, and you go through that, that trauma change, then it's a whole different ball game, right? It's, yeah. it's more of it. You, you, I feel like for me, whatever I might've felt as a young person was released because it's like, well, damn, she's been through some things as a woman, right? Dealing with it, not dealing with it, dealing with it, healing from it. She's been through some things. And I think mother to daughter, once you can make that shift as the oldest born, it's just a different, it becomes a different relationship. Um, As opposed to before, I think there was some holding on to like, why isn't my mom like this? Or why does she do this? Until you can piece all of that together, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, Because I didn't see myself as a woman. I saw myself Mm -hmm. as y'all's mom, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And really didn't, Although, you know, I, um, you know, we, me, I've done my share of clubbing and things like that, but I didn't really do anything for me. Right. Mm -hmm. I never traveled. I, you know, I just, I didn't, I worked, I raised the kids, um, occasionally went to the club. And then, you know, once we got into the church, clubbing was off the table. (laughs) Um, No, public clubbing was off the table. It's no club as long as you at church on Sunday. Craig Franklin said, Stop. y'all think this gospel's gotten too radical with our music? No. Oh, I thought that was our club song. Um, so, yeah, I didn't. I didn't see myself as a woman. I saw myself as a mom. And, you know, I believe that our culture cultivates that. Mm-hmm. That you, you don't, our culture doesn't give us permission to be a woman mm-hmm. if you are a mom and a wife you operate in all these roles mm-hmm. so I did a training um last week in Nashville and one of the things I asked was who are you not in any of the roles that mm-hmm. you operate in but who are you as a woman mm-hmm. who are you as a man what are your goals what are your hopes what are your dreams mine were always around the kids mm-hmm. I can do or I can't do because I have to work. I have to do this. I have to do that. So I have um, come into my own as a woman late. I don't, I think some, some women don't ever come to their own. Mm-hmm. You know? um, I know that one thing that makes me, I think I'm a lot different about is I, you know, I don't understand folks who don't want their kids to go away to college and who want the kids to live at home. But I like visiting mine and they come visit me because we get on each other's nerves and we're going to be honest about some stuff. Um, and there's, there's like, there's some freedom that I've experienced, to be honest, we're going to keep it 100, when I step back from church. Because that was another pressure and another bunch of expectations mm-hmm. that now I'm busting my behind trying to live up to this standard mm-hmm. that whose standard is it really? So yeah. you're saying that when you step back, step back from that, from that, you were able to better define yourself as a woman, not a minister or a woman in the church over women's ministry or whatever ministry. But yeah, I, I, that, I, so I went from being, you know, a single mom, a teen mom, and then a single mom. And then, and then we got to the church and then I got married and, and the church played a role. We're going to keep it a buck in me getting married. Um, and then I became a wife, and then I became a mother again. Then I became a minister, and I'm constantly operating in all these roles. But who is who? Am I? Your identity. What's your identity? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Not, not what you do. Who are you? Who are you? Who yeah. are you? Exactly. Yeah. And then I that I'm sorry. Hold on one second. So, um, if you would like to see the rest of this 
uh, podcast or hear the rest of this podcast, please tune in to our Patreon account where we'll have our bonus content. Our Patreon account is Dylan and Hillen. That's D-E-A-L-N at no, D-E-L-A-N-H-E-A-L-N. Or you can email us if you would like to be a guest on the show. You can email us at dylanandhillen at gmail.com. You guys want to say a quick brief bye to be continued, but they don't know that. Bye. <laughs> Thank, Thank you all you. for having me. Thank you, Miss Ayula. It's been awesome. Tune in, y'all. Y'all going to want to hear the rest of this. <laughs>